Kia ora. Welcome to the Arise Church podcast. For more details, you can find us at arisechurch.com. But right now, we're going to hear from our Hamilton campus pastor, Joe Bundy-Cook. We know you'll enjoy today's message. I just want to open with this scripture today and preface it. Matthew 28, the Great Commission. You'll probably know it. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. It says this, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We felt like God gave us a word this year for our campus and really feel like it's, it's permeating right throughout our church at the moment. Two simple words, make disciples. Make disciples. I love the Scripture. It says, therefore go and make disciples. Jesus, very clear. Jesus, very straight to the point. Go and make disciples. Because I realise I have probably in the last 20 years of doing ministry as a youth pastor, right through to even last year, I've realised I've probably been guilty of running church services, drawing a, a crowd, keeping people attending, pushing for growth, trying to please everyone, which is very difficult. And probably not enough time discipling people, teaching people how to live according to the Word. Caring and correcting, encouraging and rebuking. I said the R word, uh oh. Sharpening and training our flock. Yet I just want to say, if you're not aware, our world's not changing, our world has already changed. And we cannot just step into the future with what we had from the past. The church and the culture of our day cannot coexist in harmony any longer. There's a fresh fight for truth, for the next generation, for the future of the church in a post-Christian Aotearoa. We are not going to be able to saddle both horses anymore. It's quite a funny saying. I don't know if you've saddled a horse lately. Saddling one horse is difficult, saddling two, quite challenging. We can't sit back and be silent any longer. We are an army, not a club. We must move with precision. We must, we must begin to fight. We need to know how to fight and what we're fighting for and what we're fighting against. We are going to need to learn to wield the sword of the Spirit along with the Word of Truth. Not against people, but against ideas and against lies and against things that will try and cripple our nation, cripple our people, cripple the next generation that is to come. We must in love with truth for our community. We need to care for it, shine bright in it. We're gonna need to live for Him like we never have before. And against the spirit of our day, we are gonna need to prepare, train, Sharpen, pray, be filled and equipped. We're going to need to make disciples. 
We're going to need to make disciples, whether you're joining online. We're going to need to make disciples, whether you're in Masterton. We're going to need to make disciples. If you find yourself in the room for the very first time today, welcome. We're going to need to make disciples. So the title of this message today is The Case for Discipleship. The Case for Discipleship. In the next 20 minutes, I want to build quickly the case for discipleship and what we must do moving forward. And this is right on the heart of our church at the moment. So let's pray and then let's dive into today's message. God, we thank You for all those joining online, all those joining the Master and those in the room here in Petonia and Wellington. We just pray right now that You would breathe on this message today, that as we open the Scriptures, that You would come alive and Your breath would be on it and that we would be changed by You. Come and do a mighty work in our lives. Make us more like Your Son, Jesus, we pray in Your mighty Name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Didn't they do great this morning? Imagine if the preacher said, didn't they do terrible this morning? They did great. Good stuff, team. I remember the day, I remember the day very clearly where my brother and sister came into my life when I was eight years old. It actually happened at New Life Church during the notices. Seems like a strange place to be introduced to your brother and sister. I remember it so clearly. Our pastor got up. I'm sitting with my parents. My pastor got up at New Life Church 30 years ago and said, Open Homes Foundation are in the foyer and they need people to foster children. And I thought, <laughs> nice try, Pastor. No one is going to do that. I'm looking at my parents going, <laughs> they can barely afford the three kids they've already got. And he said, I need a show of hands in the middle of church. A show of hands if you would like to foster a child and you're gonna go out and see them in the foyer. I said, <laughs> no one's gonna do it. And then I look over and my mum's got her hand up. I'm like, woman, you can't afford me. How are you gonna? And she goes into that foyer, she signs up, she goes through the checks. Before I know it, I've got two more family members for over 10 years, a foster brother and a foster sister. I mean, I asked for a cricket bat. For Christmas, I got a pack of three tennis balls. That's how poor we were. I remember standing up. I remember my mum standing up in the middle of a service similar. And the pastor is on stage and he's saying, church, we're $10,000 short for the new carpet. It was red and you could pull threads out of it. And you'd see how far as a kid, you could see how far you could pull the thread. There were runners all around the carpet, New Life Church, 590 Featherston Street. And he's like, I need 10 people to give $1,000 right now for the carpet in this building. Who's going to do it? Okay, yes, good. The Squires, good. The Harrisons, good. The Crosses, good. And I'm like, no one, no one's going to do it. And I look over and my mum's standing up. I'm like, sit down, woman. What are you doing? Yep. I remember the day my dad walked out of our church and he handed the keys to our van over to a new couple in church that had like 10 kids. They had no money and tears coming down their face. And I'm like, what are you doing? 
You're giving our, our only vehicle away. I'm like, Dad, what are you doing? And he's like, the Holy Spirit told me to. This family has just moved from Cambodia. They have nothing. They need a vehicle. So do we need a vehicle. And he gives the keys over. I remember my mum rushing home every Sunday, every Sunday to heat up the corn chowder. Minus the corn, <laughs> just chowder. <laughs> I remember her rushing home every Sunday and putting this on, defrosting these buns that were nasty and opening our home and telling my dad to vacuum and us kids to sort our lives out. <laughs> I remember it so clearly. As a new family rushed, rushed around, some my mum had met in the foyer, we were always the last to leave church. Deacon Dom was always fading the lights out to try and kick us out. If they ever try to turn the lights off, it's time to move into the foyer, okay? I remember the endless nights of worship and life group in our home where people would turn up and they were there for hours and they came with big fat Bibles. Some of us need to get a fatter Bible. They came with their 80s sweater and their big fat Bible. And they sang and they prayed. And sometimes we woke up in the morning ready to go to school and they were still there singing and praying, Ron Cannoli. <laughs> so how did all of this happen? My dad was radically saved at a Bill Zabritsky revival in the late 80s. My mum attended a spirit-filled Women's Aglow prayer meeting at a Catholic church. They, be they began attending New Life Church Pentecostal church, and guess what happened? Someone radically discipled them. Someone discipled them in the ways of Jesus Christ. Someone radically took hold of them and said, follow me as I follow Christ. And they radically had their lives turned upside down. My parents said yes to discipleship and so did someone else. Someone else had to disciple them. Someone paid the price. Someone had the conversation. Someone prayed the prayers with them. Someone had been before and then showed them the way. Someone corrected them, rebuked them, encouraged them, prophesied over them. The case for discipleship. Ephesians chapter 4, 11 to 16. We're going to read it in two parts. I've broken out the NLT version today because I'm feeling Really full of the anointing. Ephesians 4, 11. It says this. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. That's our job. That's my job. That's the team's job on staff here to do that. We're here to equip you. We're sorry we haven't always equipped you the way we should have equipped you, but we're going to change and we are changing. And we're going to begin to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Verse 13. This will continue until we all come to such unity of faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. Mature in the Lord. We need some more mature Christians, not grumpy or angry Christians, but mature Christians. And this line, this last line is the one I don't like the most. This last line, not a fan. Love the Bible. This line's tough. And it says, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Uh-oh. 
Huh. Uh-oh, I'm going to read it again because I think someone missed it on the left over here. I'm not sure about the right. There's a, there's a lot of noise and a lot of praise and a lot of uh, faith coming from the right side over here today. It says this, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. The full measure, the full measure. I am deeply uncomfortable about this line. Measuring up to the full standard of Christ. Come on. Man, I heard last week Easter here was absolutely popping. Who was here last Sunday for Resurrection Sunday? Amen. I heard all three services across the day were full. I heard Marcelin came over the hill and brought a whole crew. I heard Pori Rule was here with Callie and the Teals and the whole family. I, I heard it was cranking, full, popping. It was a vibe. I'm not sure what other words we should put in there at the nine o'clock service, but it was that. But we had an amazing Sunday last Sunday with Resurrection Sunday. But how are we to respond to the cross and the empty tomb. We can have the most incredible weekend that we just had, but how are we to respond in our everyday to what happened last weekend? Good Friday, He hung on a cross. Resurrection Sunday, He defeated death and sin. How are we to respond? How must we respond? How are we to respond, but with nothing less than absolute devotion to the King? absolute devotion to Him. To be a disciple and to disciple others. To be a disciple and to disciple others. To make disciples. If you are wondering what your response should be, what should the response of last week be? It is that we must be disciples firstly, and then we must make disciples. We must be wholeheartedly devoted to Christ. Amen. We are going to be a church that doesn't just have great Sundays, but develops the saints for great Mondays. That's what we're going to do. That's what the leadership is talking about. That's what the campus pastors are fired up for. That's what we're here to do as we move forward. Yes, we've got a lot to do, but we're going to make disciples. Because I read the Scripture, and when you look at it in every different version, every different translation, it says that our job is to measure up and to attain the full measure and perfection of Christ. That seems impossible. But we are called not to stay the same, not to be comfortable in where we are, but our calling is to measure up is to push forward, is to measure ourselves, not against our neighbour, not against our friend, not against our parents, but the measure of Christ. This is who we mean. I've got I to gotta stop shouting. I'm so sorry. I'm not really sorry. Verse 14. Let's keep reading. Then we will no longer be immature like children. I look at someone who's immature right now. Now don't, don't, don't. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. Oh, come on, somebody. Someone should just go, yes. Mm -hmm. I agree, pastor. Thank you, sister. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Oh, there's a few people getting tricked. 
by lies that sound a little bit like the truth. I'm going to let you decipher that yourself. See me in the foyer after. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. Growing in every way more and more like Christ. Growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. We should stop and we should put our hands together for the Word of God and how it pierces our very hearts and souls. Sometimes you read the Bible and you're just like, I don't want to read that. I'm going to just put that to the side. But this is the power of Scripture if we apply it, if we live it, if we go after it, if we measure up. There is no discipleship without pain or change. You can come as you are, but you will not stay as you are. You cannot come. You cannot come to Christ and expect to stay the same. I am building a case for discipleship. I am building a case for change. I am building a case for growth. I am building a, a case for you to move forward, for me to move forward. You will have to change and morph as you pursue Christ and His likeness. You will have to change. We, we undersell Christ when we say you can just come as you are and stay as you are. You're perfect the way you are. You're perfect the way God created you to be. But if you are not living how God created you to be, then there is some work to do. If you are not living in the perfect will of Christ, if you are not measuring up to the full standard of Christ, as it says here, then there is some work to do. And my hand is the first hand up. I am so incomplete. Man. And I'm reminded of it daily by my beautiful wife. I hope she doesn't watch this back later. <laughs> you will have to change. So what is... A disciple. A disciple, literally, when you look at the translation, the Greek that the New Testament was written in, it literally means to learn or be taught, to be a learner. Are you a learner any longer? Are you a student of Christ? You might have been saved 50 years, 30 years, 40 years, 10 years, 5 years. Are you still a learner? Do you still write in the margin of your Bible? Do you still actually have a paper Bible? Do you still speak in tongues like you did when you were first filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you still take communion regularly in your home with crackers and coffee or whatever you have in the cupboard? Like, do you still go visit someone in hospital and pray for their healing? Are you still confessing your sins daily to Christ? Because everyone has been discipled in something and by someone. You don't opt in or out of discipleship. Everyone's been discipled. You're either being discipled by the culture of our day and by that which is around you by default, or you are choosing to be discipled in Christ and the house of the Lord. You, 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 you don't get to opt out. You're not your own person. You are being discipled by what is around you. Are you a disciple of comfort, culture, money, self? 
Or are you a disciple of Christ? If you've been saved a long time, are you still a learner? If you're new and on the journey of salvation, are you ready for the greatest adventure of your life? Are you ready to die? Die to self. Bending the flesh to the will of Christ. Are you ready to do that? It's painful, but oh my goodness, it's exciting. Team, we can no longer hide in the shadows of complacency. Are you willing to pay the price of discipleship? The price is large, yes, but the price of not doing it is far larger. Because our lives are not simply for 70, 80, or 90 years, C.S. Lewis said. Our lives are being prepared for eternity. For if after 70, 80, 90 years you are filled with bitterness, what do you think your life will be like at the end of eternity? C.S. Lewis literally said that the, the 70, 80, 90 years we live right now is not in preparation for now, it is in preparation for eternity. So if you don't pay the price now of discipleship in Christ, my friend, when will you? Oh, that's a bit spicy. I gotta move on. Are you prepared to pick up your Bible again? Are you ready to ask someone for help in prayer? Are you willing to tell someone the truth? And are you willing for someone else to tell you the truth? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. Are you willing to be challenged on how you treat your spouse and your kids? Are you ready to fast again? Are you willing to be challenged about tithing like Logan spoke so well about? Are you willing to stay late after life group and confess your sins to a trusted Christian? Don't say the C word. Don't say confess in church. Ah, yes. Are you willing to turn up early to church on a Sunday, meet with the intercessors and learn how to pray? Thank you, brother. Are you willing to listen to the Holy Spirit and give something up? You should have stopped at that one. You should have just put that one right. Delete. We want more, more, more. And the Holy Spirit is often prompting me, I don't know about you, to give, give, die, die, lose, lose. The case for discipleship, my word, I'm running out of time. Are you willing? The case for discipleship, I'm building this case of discipleship today as Christians. We can't simply attend church, we must move. We must grow, we must change, we must bend the flesh, we must die to ourselves. See, in the New Testament, as uh, Lily joins me on stage, in the New Testament, we are described in the Gospels and the Epistles in many ways. I'm gonna quickly flick through them, but it's gonna paint a picture for you of the life we are called to live. In 2 Timothy 2, Paul describes the believers as an athlete, a soldier, and a farmer. An athlete trains, bends their flesh, breaks their body, and grows muscle and strength and speed and stamina. This is, Tim, this is Paul describing the Christian. A soldier must come under authority and accountability. A lot of people don't wanna do that anymore. Oh man, if you wanna be a disciple of Christ, you better come under His authority. You better come under His blood. And he describes them 
us as, as farmers, a farmer sows and reaps. And in John 15, the believers are described as a vine. Jesus says to His disciples in His last sermon before He goes to Gethsemane and before He goes to the cross, He begins to teach and He says, I am the vine and my Father is the vine dresser. If you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. If you remain in me, he, the vine dresser cuts off that which bears fruit and cuts off that which does not bear fruit. Either way, you're gonna get cut. We're described as a vine that is pruned painfully so we can bear more fruit. Are you starting to catch the picture? In Matthew 5.13, you and I are described as salt and flavour. Salt speaks in the Bible of testimony. To have a testimony, God's got to have done something in your life, which means there has to have been some form of obedience at some point. You are called to be salt. I am called to be salt. We are also in that same Scripture. It says, called to be light, to shine, a city on a hill. To have a light, something needs to burn. Something needs to be disposed of. Something needs to be invested. The oil is burnt off. The candle is whittled down when there is a flame. You, you and I must, there must be a cost to this faith. There must be a cost to discipleship. We cannot just attend church. We must burn with a fire. We must have the salt of testimony. Athlete, soldier, farmer, vine that gets cut, salt, light. In Matthew 13, we are soil. Soil is turned and aerated. Soil is dug up. Soil is fertilised and turned. It's painful. It's backbreaking. To get it to produce, it gets moved. It gets shifted. It gets sifted. And in 1 Corinthians 12, we are described as the church as the body of which Christ is the head. We can't just put anything into our bodies to survive. We must bend our body. We must shift our thoughts. We must shake off sickness. We must shake off and put good things in so that, see, can you see the picture right throughout the New Testament of the believers, you and me, the Christians? We are called to be an athlete, the soldier, the farmer, the vine, the salt, the light, the soil and the body. There is no stagnation. There is no accepting your fate. There is only movement and change, growth and shifting, pruning and sifting. There is movement. I know this is strong preaching online, especially I know in your pyjamas this morning. Come to church next week. Throw off those pyjamas. Throw out that cup of tea. Get to church next week if you can. You can see what I'm trying to show today, team. This is not a sit on the sideline and watch everyone else and fade off into the sunset. There has to be change. There must be pain. There is discomfort. There is growth. There is cost. There is loss. The only question is whether you will pay it or not. Will you truly become more like Christ in 2023? Will you help someone else become more like Christ in 2023? See, my family was forever changed. 30 years ago and 35 years ago when my parents got saved. Because my parents put their life in the hands of Jesus, in the hands of the Father in heaven, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Because 
they did that. And someone paid the price to disciple that young Christian couple who didn't really know what they were doing. I live in the freedom of that and the blessing of that today. Because a couple said, we will be discipled even though it will be painful. And another couple said, we will disciple you to be like Christ. That family was the Starr family, Debbie and Trevor Starr at New Life Church 35 years ago. And I think about them often and I thank God for them often for the backbreaking work, the time and energy to disciple a new Christian couple. I wonder if there's anyone in the room today or online or in Masterman that's like my mum and dad that are gonna be willing to put themselves in the hands of Christ and be discipled, be pruned, be shaped and shifted. I also wonder if there's anyone in the room this morning that's like Trevor and Debbie Starr. They can take someone under their wing, invite someone home after church, open the Scriptures with them and teach them what it means to live empowered by the grace of God. I wonder if there's a Jeff and Gabriel Bundy cook in the room, and I wonder if there's a Trevor and Debbie Starr in the room. We are here to make disciples. And I hope today that you have got a picture of what it's gonna take. The case for discipleship. It's time to become disciples and to disciple others. Surely what I'm going to do is you can actually stand wherever you are. Thank you. And we're going to open up the altar. It seems like a funny message to open up the altar to, but this is what I want to do. I've got to head off to, to, um, to um, I don't have to, but I'm heading off to Porirua to preach at the 10 o'clock there. So I've got to shoot off back for the 11. But we're going to open up the altar for those two groups of people. There is someone, an individual, a couple, a young person, a grandma, maybe granddad, who's maybe let your life drift, but you're like, it's time to be placed in the hands of Christ again and to start to measure up to the full measure of Christ and to be discipled. I'm gonna invite you in a moment to come as the team leads us in worship. But I'm also gonna encourage those who feel a burden on their heart to now start to disciple others. I want you to activate your faith and come out of your seat and stand on the sides or on the front. And our team, we're just gonna begin to pray over the next two or three minutes. We're not gonna take long. We've got to wrap the nine o'clock service up, get ready for the 11 o'clock. So this is not one of those things you're gonna need to ponder in your seat for 10 minutes. Ah, you ain't got time. And online? Well, obviously you're at home, you've got all the time in the world, but Masterton, they'll be ready to go. They'll be raging. They'll be straight up the front. So if you want to be in the hands of Christ and be discipled and say, God, I'm giving my life fully now over to you. Or you're saying there's something I've got to offer. I've still got a lot to 
to learn and grow in, but I could help someone else. I want both groups to come forward as the team begins to sing and our team will begin to come and pray over you. That the Holy Spirit would fill you, that His presence would be on your life, whether you're gonna be discipled or whether you're gonna start to disciple others. Thank you, God, that you came for us, you died for us. And we come today and we place our lives once again in your hands, we pray. Draw every person that needs to respond to this to the front, Lord. Don't let fear get in the way, but let faith rise, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for joining us for the Arise Church podcast. We hope this message has blessed you. For more content or resources, visit arisechurch.com. Matiwa, see you soon.